The following podcast has been rated TVMA, NSFW, R, and NC-17, so it is not safe for kids. Put your children to bed. You spend enough time with them anyway. Say, friend, now I don't mean to pry or even assume anything, because Lord knows that'll make an ass out of both of us. But I couldn't help notice you're out here doing what you can, best you can. And making your way in the apocalypse without a drink. I hear you. A drink's a high five, a pat on the back. Tastes good, makes you feel good. But out here, you don't want to feel good. You need a real drink that'll clean a wound, taste like chaos, and a burn that'll teach you all you need to know about how to survive. Well, this shocking beverage will snap you right back into place no matter how many zombies or clicky mushroom people you had to face today or or how many you lost in the fires when the robots took over. Whatever your scenario, all you need is a shot of Jepson's Malort. With a taste like ground-up mummies and viper piss, this refreshing 70-proof vintage will outlast us all so make friends with the only one that's going to make it out of here alive. Jepson's Malort. The only drink that will still be here. Proud sponsor. <clears throat> Proud sponsor of Chad the Birdcast, which is what you're listening to right now. Your official Birdcast of the Apocalypse. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to shout. Sorry. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, my name is Chad. Why did I sound like that? <clears throat> I'll do that again. Hold up. Ma ma ma. Ha ba ba ba. Ma 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 ba. Ma 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 ba. Ha ba ba ba. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name. That's better. My name is Chad. I am a bird. This is my birdcast, and you're listening to it. There, we're all caught up. Couple of things before we get started today. I am going to be in Chicago on July 11th for the Right Club Royal Ramble. Which, uh, there's a link down below. Click on it if you're in the city and come see me open for the greatest live lit show in the history of the world, I think. It's actually where we get the term live lit. It comes from the guy who created Right Club, my friend and no one's friend, Ian Belknap. Not because he's not a cool guy, but because he doesn't want to be your friend because you didn't earn it. I did. So I'm going to open his show, or was his show. He's like retired, but he's back. He's going to be there at the show, which is wild. I'm very nervous. But I'm going to open for uh, the Royal Ramble. Uh, live lit, what does that mean? Live literature, what does that mean? Uh, it means people write essays and they read them. It's what I do. It's what you listen to. Except at Write Club, we're pitting two writers together and making them fight it out. Seven minutes apiece, and the audience decides who wrote the better essay. And it's a dope show, and I'm going to open it. It's at the G-Man Tavern. Like I said, the link is down below. That's July 11th. Get your tickets now. But if you can't, and you're not going to be in the city, you should bid on some kick-ass auction items, because all the money goes to them, help save the Empire, and keep the show going. That's July 11th. And then next week, after that, that's July 20th, I'm going to be in Orlando. I love you. That's where I will be. You come see me at... uh. The Veranda on Thornton Park on July 20th. Get your tickets down below. Then after that, July 29th, I'm going to be in Los Angeles at Kulak's Woodshed with Toily T. Paper and Bill Larkin and Sarah Hester Ross and John DeHaas. So click the link there and get your tickets for that. And if you just and then, but don't worry if you can't be there because we're going to stream it. But if you are in L.A., you should come because we need a studio audience and that's going to be crazy. And I'll have some merch for you and we'll do high fives. I promise. So, yeah, get your tickets now because they are almost sold out. 
<sighs> there, those are the plugs. I'm done plugging. I've said all the things I'm going to do. Now let's do the thing that I am doing right now, which is the birdcast, which is what you're listening to. So I figured I would go deep in the archives, in the chat archives, which is basically a Rubbermaid uh, box underneath my bed, and find an old episode that I did in 2017 about you, America, because it's your birthday, buddy. That's right. It's a special July 4th episode. Doing a show on a Monday? That's wild. Uh, yeah, I, I'm doing it. Wait, no, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Shit, I'm so tired. <laughs> but that's because I've been drinking. Because it's a vacation, baby. That's what you do. But um, today's Tuesday, July 4th. And you are going to hear a piece from the past. The before times. 2017, when we were but young babes that thought the worst thing in the world was that they did a sequel to Independence Day. Boy, were we fresh. Three years before 2020, before the pandemic hit. So there's going to be some jokes that are going to land a little different. So just know that this was recorded in 2017. Oh, man, we were such springy chickens back then. Um, but yeah, so basically what I did for that particular day was um, on July 4th, uh, no less, when it was on a Saturday, wild. Uh, I went back and looked at like a bunch of stuff that America um, thinks it knows about itself, but never actually Googled. So I did, and I talked to some experts, and I've got some trivia for you. So you'll be a hit at all the trivia games if they just so happen to ask you about uh, American history. So here's some history mysteries unmystified for you on this most festive of July 4th days. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're laying low. Hope you're drinking hard. And uh, while you're doing that, let's go live to me in the past. Oh, we're going back in time. Oh, God, it uh, makes you so dizzy. And I, I actually am dizzy. Ugh. Anyway, here's me talking about America on your birthday, America. Happy birthday from 2017. Already in progress. A smart, spry, witty rogue with a golden heart that tells great stories, but lately you've been a walking asshole, sporting a bald eagle tank top and pissing your cargo shorts because all you've had to eat is in that yard of beer around your neck. Your memory is questionable. So wake up, red, white, and blue balls. And as the air warms with the scent of smoky meats and gunpowder, we will pause, as we always do, to salute the great fifey drummy history of you. 
But we need you to smarten up just a bit, because, like, we're worried you might have forgotten some stuff. But don't worry, we'll start simple. It's afternoon, it's your birthday, we got shit to do. But pay attention, America, because this is about your favorite thing America. <laughs> First off, you're named after the Italian explorer Amerigo Vespucci, who figured out that Columbus was full of shit. He didn't make it to India, he's a fucking idiot. That's New World, baby. Never mind it, like the Vikings got there like 500 years before, and also there were like people living there already, but whatever. Happy birthday, America! Now, technically, your birthday isn't until the 2nd of July. That's when the Continental Congress declared its independence from the Kingdom of Great Britain. You see, here's how it works. Big T. Jefferson wrote the first draft of the Declaration of Independence in June of 1776. Pass it off for review. Independence was declared on July 2nd, and the final draft was approved on July 4th. So the date on the copy that was signed in August and is now on display at the National Archives is the date that was approved, and it wasn't until after the Revolution, and probably also the fact that John Adams and T. Jeff both died on July 4th, that the holiday took off. And in 1876, Congress declared it as a national holiday, so while you're grilling brats and slamming high lives on the roof this July 4th, make you stop at Office Max and grab a highlighter because it's really a holiday in honor of proofreading. <laughs> but the independence was real. You did it. You got it. Fly your flag high. It's called Old Glory for a reason. But do you know why it stars and stripes red, white, and blue? No, you don't. Stop lying. Sober up. <laughs> Congress adopted a flag design in 1777, which was originally meant for naval use. You see, Secretary Charles Thompson stated that it shall be, quote, white for purity and innocence, red for hardness and valor, and blue is the color of the chief, end quote. The bars signify vigilance, perseverance, and justice, and the stars were chosen to represent a new constellation in the sky. Now, it's widely known that Betsy Fastfinger Ross sewed the first flag based on a design by Big Daddy Washington in 7076, but there is no evidence to support that, other than a claim by her grandson, Ross Canby. In reality, Francis Hopkins, who was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, designed the flag in 1777 when he was a naval chairman, and he only asked for a quarter cask of public wine as payment but he never got it. Betsy Ross sewed a flag, but not the flag, which came about through a series of more redesigns than Miller Light bottles. But either way, it looks sweet coming at you across the ocean, and so it made its way into the culture as a symbol of unity because at the time, everybody wanted to be Native American. See, back in the day, defecting to naval, navi, native tribes had become so popular that they had to post guards to keep people from, quote, going native. Ben Franklin even wrote about this, quote, No European who has tasted savage life can afterwards bear to live in our societies, end quote. It is even noted by Cornell University in 1987 that the Iroquois government's major ideals, freedom of speech, religion, separation of power and government checks and balances, directly influence the American Constitution. But it's yours now. That's American. You remember that, right? Put a bird on it. Make it an eagle. <laughs> but do you remember why it's the eagle? 
plenty of birds out there that can rock a pair of ripped jeans. So why is it the bald eagle? It was quite the hot debate. So after the declaration was signed and peer-reviewed, Congress formed a committee to design the seal. And that committee was Jefferson, Adams, and Franklin. So the Triforce brewed down and realized they didn't know shit about pageantry because they were too busy brewing down. So they asked this artist who was living in Philly at the time named Pierre-Eugene de Cimetière to come down for a group sesh, just spitballing, where they each presented a design. Franklin whipped out a Bible scene, Moses standing on the shore, kind of dry, phoning it in. Who wasn't doing Bible shit back then? With the tagline, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God, which just didn't pop. Jefferson wanted a, quote, depiction of the children of Israel in the wilderness led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Same deal. Come on, guys. It's a little on the nose. And Pierre came out with a more conventional seal, a shield with six sections representing the, quote, countries from which these states have been peopled. England, Scotland, Ireland, France, and Germany, and Holland. And a little Latin at the bottom, E Pluribus Unum. Adams chose a painting by Robert Strange called The Judgment of Hercules, which is basically a naked dude flexing in a leopard print shawl, leaning on a bat while two lady gods figure him out. And as close as Adams came to fucking nailing it, all three ideas were scrapped. First brand meeting was a bust. The only thing that Congress dug was the tagline, E Pluribus Unum, which means out of many comes one. And it wasn't until 1782 when Secretary Charles Thompson came back out of the gate and slayed the pitch with an image of a bald eagle holding an arrow for war and an olive branch for peace while holding a shield of red, white, and blue, which he was just pushing the hard sell on. Just like ease up, Thompson. Yeah, those are lovely colors, but everybody has those colors. Just get outside the box, buddy. He chose the eagle because it represented, quote, supreme power and authority, and that got everybody's dicks hard. You remember that, right? That's a design you can drink to. But Franklin didn't really dig it. Writing to his daughter, quote, I wish that the bald eagle had not been chosen as the representative of our country. He is a bird of bad moral character. He does not get his living honestly. He is a rank coward. For a truth, the turkey in comparison, a much more respectable bird, and withal, a true original native of America, end quote. But whatever stamped it, June 20th, 1782, B. Franks, we eat turkeys, and so do eagles. That's as American as apple pie. And why apple pie, you ask? Why the fuck not? Is that not good enough for you, Paul Hollywood? Who do you think you are? Mary Berry? Drown the British. Sorry for yelling. Apples weren't already always here, you know. They're a foreign import, like palm trees or Ryan Reynolds. They were brought over. They were brought over on the Mayflower back in 1620, planted in 1625, and they really dug it here, like palm trees or Ryan Reynolds. With over 14,000 varieties by the 1800s. Now pilgrims brought over uh, also brought over these little lumps of suet and flour with meat inside called pies. But the crust wasn't super great. It was mostly a form of Tupperware and just as tasty. And a little later on, when sugar got cheaper and the French introduced the butter crust, fruit pies started catching on because they didn't taste like bark mulch and fat anymore. Americans began to expand westward. And the apple hitched a ride, surviving longer than most fruits on the road and staying sweet and tough no matter what came along. They were basically the Ellen DeGeneres of fruit. LAUGHTER 
A barefoot wandering missionary fellow named John Chapman was super into apples, and he started planting them along the frontier, even getting a pass from hostile native tribes, because they were all the fucks up with this giggly psycho running around. White people, am I right? And from his seedling techniques, people picked up on the craze, and the apple made its way west, earning John Chapman the nickname Johnny Appleseed. He also became famous for spreading dog fennel, which he thought was medicinal, but it's now considered an invasive weed. But, but like, like all barefoot hippies, you gotta take the good with the musty weird shit. <laughs> So by 1860, it was well established that apple pie was an American thing. In 1869, Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote in her book, Old Town Folks, quote, The pie is an English tradition, which, planted on American soil forthwith, ran rampant and burst forth into an untold variety of genera and species. So yeah, apple pie was brought here by immigrants, influenced by foreigners, and appropriated by white people who added sugar. You cannot get more American than that, baby. So, happy birthday! You drive on the right because Conestoga wagons were easier to drive that way. Paul Revere didn't ride alone. Cowboys didn't wear cowboy hats. They wore derbies. Pilgrims didn't wear buckles because they were too expensive. Abner Doubleday did not invent baseball. And your name is not America. It's America. Is all this starting to sound familiar? That's you, America. Yeah, you're a two-sided coin. One side being a devilishly attractive crusader, and the other is a strawberry culotta in a boob mug. But God damn it. God damn it. We love you. If we didn't, we wouldn't care. If we didn't, we wouldn't take the time to remind you and your drunk ass of your truth. If we didn't, we'd be in Canada. So happy birthday, you beautiful son of a bitch! And if you paid attention, there's hope for you yet. See ya! Special thanks to the Barrera Cudas for their kick-ass song, Promises. It takes us out on the back end. Thank you to Jepson's Malort for keeping me hydrated. Thank you to me for being me. And uh, thank you to you for listening. Oh, man, the past was wild, wasn't it? What a wacky time it was. I hope you learned something, and I hope you can use the information. Just remember, if you're at the, the BBQ this afternoon... And, you know, your peepaw starts freaking out about America, brr, brr, brr. You got some uh, ammo in your cannon to fire back. Remind him what this country really is and uh, remind yourself what it means to be here, whatever that means to you. I don't know what I mean because I am celebrating. Anyway, I've got beers to drink and corn to chug. And I love corn. I'm going to grill some corn, put some mayonnaise on it, a little cheese, a little chili powder, make an elote. Doesn't get more American than that. I mean, it's Mexican, but like, you get my point. Happy birthday, America! You dick. Nailed it!